really big show. Uh, Forgot my sword. Paper Keg Podcast uh, special edition episode where we talk about comic book related movies. This episode, you know that music. Greatest Marvel movie intro scene of all time, hands down. Blade. Joined as always by Blade historian Dale underscore A. He's a father of two, noted uh, problems with alcoholism. Welcome back to the show. Great to be back. It's great to be back on a special edition movie episode. Uh, doing Blade. I mean, I, I, I once Blade got brought up, there was no other option but Blade to do. You were merely turned. (laughs) Jonesy loves beer. Welcome back to the show, the final host of the special edition episode. Welcome back. I am always super excited uh, for these movie episodes. You know, I like to call the IMDb trivia database to get that one or two, you know, tidbits. And uh, I've got one that will shock you. I mean, what an intro scene. I can't, I, the only thing that I could ever remember from this movie was just how B.A. the intro scene of this movie was. Mm. That's all I can think about. But, um, so yeah, the special edition episode of Paper Keg where we only talk about this movie, uh, movie review. Not unlike uh, the hottest podcast in town, Interview with a Podcast Vampire, where we only talk about Tom Cruise movies in order. Some say it couldn't be done. Eight podcasts in one month? Well, we're proving them wrong. God. Sure are. Sure are. My rapid stress weight loss is proving that it can indeed be done. <laughs> Deadlines to meet. <laughs> Put you over the edge. Uh, Jonesy, please tell us what Blade is for those that are sadly in the dark. You know, think back to a time when Marvel movies weren't being released every month and just breaking the bank with records. And you have the early experimental Marvel where they would just trust a guy and be like, all right, you make this movie. We're going to sign over the rights. You do what you need to do. You know, make us proud. And uh, David Goyer, who you may know from many other things, uh, had a hand in break, making the Blade trilogy of films. So his first foyer into Blade tells the story of the Daywalker. It's Wesley Snipes playing the title character. Uh, in the womb, mother bitten by a vampire, uh, gets all of their strengths and none of their weaknesses, except for the thirst for human blood the main action of the film centers around blade tracking a vampire boss by the name of deacon frost played by the incomparable uh steven dorf in this film and their incestuous if you will relationship 
uh, vampire incestuism uh, will will <laughs> culminate in some of the best action and great martial arts film, uh, but also some of the most memorable character actors to ever play in a Marvel film. Basically, Blade fights Deacon Frost, finds out secrets about himself, about vampires in general, and saves the day against the resurrection of an ancient dark vampire god. Blade. Inarguably Donald Logue's greatest role. And you hate that guy, so I was... I really dislike him in most of what he does, but I loved this character that he played this movie. He was born to play yeah. this vampire D-bag. <laughs> the, the best scene, and, and I don't want to jump ahead, but there's a scene where Quinn is like telling Frost... Like oh the, you know we got to kill he's so awesome he's got this movie flipped over this and and Frost Frost is like oh yeah he threw and then caught her and everything and then he tells uh, Quinn to shut the f up <laughs> yeah. possibly the best scene in the entire film I really I don't know what it is but I just I loved watching this movie again I felt like this is such a just stripped down action movie with Marvel ties to it I don't know what it is about this movie that I just really enjoy. It doesn't feel like it tries to do too much. The cinematography I felt was great. The BA car that he drives around. 1968 Dodge Charger RT. I, you know, his lines, and, and I joked about it at the beginning, but the intro mo- scene to this, where they're in this vampire dance club, possibly vampiric incestuism that Gen Z uh, alluded to. I don't know what's <laughs> happening there. But they, we'll they're in this dance it. club, and the blood comes down from the ceiling, and this guy is drugged there, and he doesn't. He wants to get the heck out of there. He didn't know what he walked into, and he crawls up to Blade, and the blood stops. And then, oh man, just gorgeous stuff. Yeah, I mean, you just that kind of stuff is just, and it's an updated vampire movie for one. I mean, just no, there's no Marvel ties, there's no comic to it. It's just like a, th- a, a horror slash thriller movie at that point. It's just. What in the heck? When like the fur, the the blood first dripples down on his face and then his hand, and then he looks up and they just open up the floodgates of blood and it's just like, holy moly! And then it brings like, that that started around that time. It kicked off like an electronica music craze. It, it either kicked off or it was definitely a a participant without being cheesy. I feel like just this movie the kicked off your electronica. Oh, oh yes, oh yeah. It was it was definitely a, a huge part of you. It. You probably lived that intro scene. You're walking with that. You're in this car with Tracy Lords. You're being taken to some kind of meat district rave. That you're just ready to <laughs> do whatever happens there. What what kind of meat are we talking about here? You're ready to do whatever happens at this at this rave. I just pictured you in that scene and you crawling up to Blade. Oh, that's exactly what it was like i mean i was just ripe it was a ripe to party <laughs> back then you know and the, i mean the whistler's aspect god what a uh, great character whistler his like aged sidekick that had been almost raising blade since he was younger their little hideout they keep a they, he rescues a woman because she was kind she reminded him of his mother and she was almost turned so he tries to save her so he's she's like the sidekick during the movie as well 
I mean, the I mean, the one aspect of this movie that was really dated, obviously, was the special effects. When they decided to use CGI, and it wasn't a whole lot until really the end. Mm-hmm. Like you felt like, wow, this is like a PS one movie almost, just in terms of how kind of the era dated it was. Well, I I actually thought it was kind of refreshing that there was like limited to no wire work. I mean the um, all the 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 first fight sequence, uh, the train sequence. All of it was done VFX and stunts. Like, mm-hmm. there was no, like, he's up on a wire and they're going to get this wide shut. I mean, even that even that scene where he throws Karen through the hospital window is done green screen. Like, it's not done. There's no computer effects done on that. I mean, that's pretty incredible considering this is, came out in, like, the early 2000s with a limited budget, not knowing if this movie was going to make it or not for the movie to look this good. It almost doesn't have the right to look this good for, for what it was going to do. This came out in 1998. Did it? Was it 98? Yeah. I was. I, I finally remember, because I, I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie, and I just graduated high school. You know, the world is my oyster. It was my first, it was the summer of me not having school, and, you know, I was driving. It was, it was just, it was great. I mean, I got my license late because I, my birthday's so late, but. It was just, that's how I just remember finally it was the summer of 98 that it, that yeah. it came out and it was Yeah, that cool sword where if yeah. you didn't have the right grip it was going to slice your hand off. 68 charger. It was a rated R. Mm. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. Stephen Norrington was the director and I I remembered that name in particular because he was the director of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oof. And that oh. was the movie where Sean Connery said he would never do another movie again because it was so bad. Oh, wow. <laughs> the experience that he had making that film. I think they both just stopped doing things after that movie. I, may, I might be incorrect them. about that, but, but I remember that, that that was like Stephen Summers' last film, and they both just swore off of everything film ever. <laughs> I, uh, I will say whoever did the spec script... Any line that comes out of Blade's mouth is fantastic. Whether me, whether I'm viewing that normally or ironically, any word that he utters, mm-hmm. I just smiled. Like the first, I think like the first full thing he ever says was is to those cops in the hallway in the hospital, where shoot at, this at point, him, or he's like he, he's like or he says to Quinn, he's like, oh, you know, I came to finish you off. And then, uh, like, he pretty much shaves everyone on the floor, and the cops kind of look at him and shoot him anyway. And he's like, Are you out of your damn mind? Whoever wrote that line, you know, deserves a writing credit. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And, and to the special effects comments, there was a lot of scenes that were edited really well that you could tell that he was doing some kind of high jump or fast motion that they just edited very well, and they didn't need to show him zipping around at full speed at some kind of supernatural speed and it was very well done and i remember watching it i was like they did some really cool tricks to avoid cgi and just with smart photography mm-hmm. and that was they did that a lot in the movie yeah they and the I, I i'm really curious as how much is is pulled from the source material because and they they attribute the character obviously of blade to marv wolfman but also deacon frost so he exists in the comic too but I wonder how much of our other of, of the world building is in the Blade comic because of the. I like how the uh, vampires basically own their familiar 
they're human familiars because they're uh, you know they're basically waiting in line to become vampires too. So they buy their doing... college debt. I mean, basically they owe. Everything yeah, to these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's great, and they and they so they get tattooed because they're personal property of either one vampire or the other, and um, there's the the blood god and the old vampire, you know, uh, council I guess who uh, in you know have the influence of all vampire kind to talk about. There's the dark vampire Bible written on human skin. I mean, this is right up your alley, Dale underscore A, with oh. mythos and world building. <laughs> I love me some world building. Also, I thought it was pretty smart about how, you know, you have this old vampire board of directors, essentially, that are so kind of old school that Stephen Dorff's character, Deacon Frost, wants to up the ante and, you know, make them more in control of everything. So he is so kind of new school that he takes the old scriptures and like uploads them into a computer program to try to translate them, which none of the elder people have ever done. I guess they probably don't even know how to use computers at this point. They pretty much think he's so idiot. Yeah. He's so hip and smart into the current age that he just transcribes the documents and he does translate them and he just makes them all look like dopes. Yeah, he, they're frightened of his ways and his methods and his ambitions, but he's just—he's got it. He's—he's ambi- he's completely ambitious, but he's just like rock star vampire having these parties. And Quinn, his awful friend, he loves to death. I kind of want to watch a buddy cop movie that's Deacon Frost and Quinn <laughs> just getting along in the vampire world. Right, because obviously they they started at the same level at some point, but Deacon just kind of like excelled Mm -hmm. and became better where Quinn just stayed the same. He just, he was, you know, latched on, he's barnacled on to Deacon, so. There was a few uh, Stephen Dorff scenes that I really loved. This one, they were in the park in broad daylight, and Blade shoots like two or three bullets at Stephen Dorff, and he slow-mo dodges away from the bullets and then runs away. And then the, like, silly uh, Spider-Man pose that he does near the end of the movie where he jumps up (laughs) into the air. I thought that was, like, even though it was so silly, I was like, yeah, this is really cool. And it didn't make any sense, but I loved it. Yeah, they they went for, I know exactly, it's like, you want to make fun of it, that, that jump, that animalistic jump, but it's still, like... You know, they tried to make it cool, and it was kind of cool, but you still want to make fun of it, but it's still cool at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I watched. I started watching this with my wife, and she, every scene that I loved and thought was like, <laughs> B.A., she hated. She thought it, the movie was junk. <laughs> she didn't even finish watching it with me. I think she laughed after 30 minutes. And, like, right after the club scene, I was like, yeah, you like, did you see, what do you think about that scene, huh? And I was like, you know, rubbing her elbow. And she's like, that was awful. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Lighting a couple candles. Turn the lighting down. She was not appreciative as much as I was of this film. I mean, it holds up. It, I, I feel, I feel I, like it as weird too. as yeah. weird as it is that, as that sounds, it holds up. I mean, it's such a fun action movie. You have to check your disbelief at mm-hmm. the door. Yeah. You just have to enjoy it for what it is. And this was their second theatrical release. Marvel's like second one after Howard the Duck. I think they they made The Punisher and Captain America in between, but those were direct to video. 
which I, I think I checked the wiki before. Uh, after As I was watching it, I was so intrigued by how much I loved the movie. I looked it up. Uh, I, I, for one, love Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher. <laughs> that's got to be, that's on our list for another movie to do at some point, the Punisher to. R-rated movie. The, I mean, it, it definitely holds up. It just sits outside of the Marvel canon that you think of today, but on its own, I mean, it spawned two sequels, so it, it, they did, it did something right. I, I don't even know if I saw the third one, but the, it was just so cool. It's, it was so rock star for the time, and it still is, like, Wesley Snipes is the, was the perfect blade, and yeah, as, as goofy like else. he he, you, you you can't think about the, you know he's got to go to the barber to get this haircut every two <laughs> weeks to keep it in line. You know it's it's like stuff like that is funny, but his his friend Whistler is cool. Uh, Chris Christopher, I need my serum. <laughs> And he goes to these, you know, this hoodoo shop that sells essence of garlic. I really wonder if there's such thing as essence of garlic that can be yeah. bought anywhere. Like, do they just boil a bunch of cloves of garlic and they just pour the garlic water? Like, what's the essence? How do they extract the essence of the garlic? All right. So, you guys ready for your first piece of trivia? Please. Yeah, please. This film tested horribly. Uh, before launch, and that's because at the end of the film, there was no sword fight between Blade and uh, Frost. Oh, there was a 20-minute sequence where he becomes La Magra, which is a tornado of blood, and Blade must figure out how to stop that. It tested so poorly that they went back into reshoots and made a final sword fight scene. So that Frost could still technically be in, you know, even though he was possessed, he was still on screen. That's interesting because the fact that there was no blood god really and Deacon Frost was just kind of, he got red eyes and he could reform his cut off limbs was like an odd blood god. Like he just got like more powers. That's the blood god. (laughs) I guess it does make more sense that there was something else, but it just was really bad. Yeah, apparently on the DVD or Blu-ray release, you can see the alternate ending where Blade has to throw his serum, his exploding serum into the tornado, and that eventually kills La Magra. That's so interesting, though. I could see, I would probably rate it poorly, too. Like, after all that martial arts in the film, and his BA as Blade is, now he's got to fight a blood tornado. Like, yeah, that's... (laughs) I could see. I wonder, I mean, how bad must the CGI have been? Because the <laughs> yeah. blood stuff in the door fight scene was like, this is this is pretty outdated looking. Oh, yeah. When he gets, I wonder what it actually looks like. When Steven Dorff gets cut in half and his arm gets cut off, like the blood, <laughs> yeah. that little bit of blood compared to what a tornado would be bringing is, is just really sad state of affairs. Yeah, like department. I could probably, you could probably recreate that cga on your ipad in 2014 <laughs> yeah. right now, like by yourself on the toilet you could make that scene happen i mean they the jurassic park came out five years earlier and it's still one of the greatest cgi performances ever <laughs> and this this poor blood god Lama, la magra ah, ah, was uh terrible it was terrible all right ready for big trivia piece number two mm-hmm Please. This film was originally scripted and imagined for Jet Li in the role of Deacon Frost and LL Cool J wow. in the role of Blade. 
What? Jet Li. Jet Li could, can barely speak English in 2014. I yeah. remember loving his movies, but... The one? Come the, on. His like English language movies were so hampered by the fact that he was like Blade in those movies. He he said maybe like three lines. Yeah, I don't know how he would have been able uh, to do it as Deacon Frost with all that, all those quotes. Imagine LL Cool J with a tie-in rap song. Uh-huh. You know, my teeth are like a vampire. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something like that. Like Deepest Willis, Deepest Bladus right. would have been the rap song. Like I can't. Ah, oh, that just makes me sick to my stomach thinking about LL Cool J was almost Blade. You know, the one is a great movie too. I remember the one loving is a great that movie. movie. Which uh, which is oddball trivia that I remember from that movie. I think that movie was supposed to be a rock project. The Rock? The Rock, I think. It's some other stud. It was like uh, someone that doesn't isn't Jet Li it was originally written for. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you, Jet Li was fantastic in that film. He was. I just remember Jet Li this one line from a movie. That was a mistake. <laughs> was that Unleashed? It's either Unleashed or Romeo Must Die. I can't remember one of the two. Oh, Romeo Must Die. Oh, that's a fantastic film. Delroy Lindo was in the one. Oh, I man. I love Delroy Lindo. Good heavens. He was also great in Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, yeah. The Nick Cage 90s remake. His acting style makes my head hurt the way he, he speaks. I don't yeah. know what it is about yeah. it. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Is that because somebody has an earpiece and they're just giving his lines as is and he just doesn't there's, understand the context? There's no other human being that talks on this planet like Delroy Lindo <laughs> in Gone in 60 Seconds. It's like he transported from another universe where they have a different dialect uh-huh. that has been spoken for 3,000 years. <laughs> he drives that Sweet 7 series, though. I, uh, oh, I dare you to find a scene. I dare you to find a scene where Delroy Anderson looks at the person he's having a dialogue with. If you can find any scene where that occurs, I will give you one American dollar because that does not exist on film. I remember uh, my first year at Widener. It was 2001. I had the chase scene at the end of that movie downloaded to my iBook computer. I don't know how I acquired it. It, like, just the who chase even scene. Da- who downloads a, just a chase scene? It, like, it's just such a bizarre idea. I don't even know what... Fi- it was probably like .avi. .avi. I would just watch the chase scene on my, comp- my laptop at college. So weird. Great car, though. 1967 oh, Shelby GT500. Boy, howdy. I said 50 cars, not 49 and a half. Do I look like an asshole? One range is as good as another. It never rains, but it pours. When it rains, it pours. No, 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 no. Yeah, that was the line. Hold on. Some of the worst (laughs) written word in that movie, too. Like, he was really bad. Just, oh, man. And that guy would eventually become Malekith in uh, Thor 2. And Doctor Who. Yeah, he's also Doctor Who. Like, he's a big name, and that was a terrible role for him to break through into American cinema. One of the crappy characters, too, when, like, you're first introduced to that character... He's just, he's like a wood maker. Wood, uh, he yeah. like whittles things. He loved it. He loved it. And he, you're in, Nicholas Cage is introduced to him and he's not paying attention to Nicholas Cage and he just goes into a speech about something else. Like, oh, this guy's such a badass. He doesn't even, he wants to get his speech out of the way before he even acknowledges Nicholas Cage's presence. Speaking it, of uh, reigns, your should, brother. We, should we get it back to Blade here? I mean, this oh, is my a word. Sorry. It's like, I, know, I, just, I, was having I, a good, I was having a great time talking about going on 60 seconds. I, you did, know? I just wanted to be an advocate for the people. Dot AVI, 
I think we said all we could say about Blade. It was great. It was fun. Fantastic film. Didn't uh, Guillermo del Toro do Blade 2? Yeah. Or was that... And I I actually think that action-wise, Blade 2 might have eclipsed Blade 1. I I remember... And Dale, you saw Blade 2? I did see Blade 2, yeah. Is there... And am I remembering this right? Like a 12-minute katana fight in front of like a wall of spotlights... Yeah, I think I remember I think so, at the time yeah. thinking that was like one of the most yeah. incredible fight scenes I've ever seen choreographed. I just remember the the vampires just completely that they're like jaws unhinged or something. And I just yeah, couldn't like handle totally that. neat. My stomach, my stomach couldn't handle it. Ron Perlman was uh, played a villain in that, if I recall correctly. Hmm. He played the the lead bad guy in Blade Two. I'm gonna have to watch Blade Two. Thanks, guys. I guess we'll have to. You I guess we'll find out when we record a podcast about it. I tell you what, the Blade trilogy right now is uh, on iTunes for twenty five bucks in HD. All three I films. Don't know. That feels that feels like a lot of money for a movie that includes <laughs> Blade Trinity. I don't remember that movie being good at all. I was that early Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. It was film? Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel. Yeah, were okay. his sidekicks. And uh, Ryan Reynolds had like a big goatee, big thick beard or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't remember that being good. I can't. Maybe did I see it? I had to have seen it, right? Blade. There it is. FYI, Batman is back on Netflix. FYI, yes, the original, right? Batman one and two. Mm. Dad, go save yourself. You want me, not Chip. If I can have these days back. What a show. You know, if you enjoyed Blade, like us, you should write us an iTunes review. That's how it's done. And uh, we will see everybody next time. Another one in the wind column. Night, everybody.